In your Bibles, if you turn to the book of Ephesians, please. We've been uh, just in a series that I've really just wanted to focus on encouragement. Uh, it seems like uh, that's what we need a lot of these days, of just knowing that, uh, that we're in it together and cheer one another on, cheer one another on in our parenting and raising our children and encouraging their faith. Uh, one of the areas that I feel like we need uh, an area of encouragement is actually our view and understanding and even our relationship with the church. And so today's message is encouraging the church, encouraging us and the family of believers. Uh, there's really, uh, in my mind, no more encouraging book than the book of Ephesians as, as it's concerned for, uh, for the church and the way Paul expresses things. And, and so what I'd like to do today is just a real simple encouragement for us to just kind of remind ourselves of who we are and, and sort of get a picture and reminder of our life in Christ and what it means to be the church. So with just a few minutes of your time, I'd like to just give an encouragement about who we are together in Christ as the body of believers. Let's start with prayer. God, we thank you for today. A day that we have set aside this moment and to hear from you, to seek you, to seek your heart, to praise you, to give glory to your name, to honor and remember Christ as our King, as our Savior, as our Redeemer, and as our friend. God, we pray for the young boys and girls that went downstairs today to learn and grow closer to you. We pray that their hearts would be receptive. God, we pray that our hearts, our minds, our souls, our strength would be receptive to your renewal through your spirit. God, that you would continue to work on our hearts today. Give us encouragement. Remind us, God, that you are alive, that you reign, that you love, and that you've done something special with the church. God, sometimes we forget that. So today, Lord, I pray that you would renew our spirits today. Give us encouragement. Thank you for drawing near to us, Lord. We celebrate you today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were to do a sort of survey or uh, just kind of a walk along the street and ask folks what they think of the church and what the church is, we'd probably get a wide variety of answers, wouldn't we? Definitely depending on the person and their story, someone who's been hurt by the church, which unfortunately it has happened and it has happened throughout history, we run into those folks and there is a sort of bitterness towards the church. The things that they would loft up against the church would be, uh, would be m many. They could say that the church is just as immoral as, as, they pro you know, you know, as the things that they proclaim against. They could look at the church and they'd say, you're just as sexually immoral, you're just uh, as greedy, you're just as power-hungry, you're just as control-seeking as the rest of the world is. They could look at us and they could say, and with an honest assessment, they could say, the church is immoral. They could look, and I know you're already thinking, Jordan, you said you're going to encourage the church. Well, I'll, I'll get there. They could look at the church and they could, they could loft up accusations that were ineffective. You know, if you want to see the most effective organization on planet Earth, you probably wouldn't put together a church committee. I mean, that's a fair assessment. We can kick cans down the road. We can be very slow in making decisions, and it can be infuriating. I know. I hear from you. 
You can look at the church and you say, well, okay, it's immoral, and you could say it's ineffective. It's not good at making quick decisions. It's hard to get everyone along. It's hard to make everyone happy. It's ineffective. It doesn't bring about the change that you think it should bring. You can look at the church, and, and you can give it the fair assessment that it's immoral, that it's ineffective, and you can even say that it's irrelevant. I can run into people today, and they say, well, I have better things to do. And in their minds, they are better things to do. They can sleep in, and they can get more housework done around the house and enjoy the day, and they can go to the lake. Um, not to give you any ideas. And so they can correctly say, well, it's irrelevant, it's ineffective, it's immoral. They can say those things about the church. And we can see sort of hints of truth to each of those statements. And so there's this really perplexing thing to me. And it's this underlying question of why the church and why this, why gather, why come together uh, weekly or uh, even daily in some respects why be the church why join the church what is it that god is doing with the church eugene peterson uh one of my favorite authors and uh he he wrote the message he he put it in the common language and so that's how most people know eugene peterson he was a minister uh for all of his adult years at one church in montana and he is the uh sort of ultimate pastor in my mind of the guy that i would like to be uh, just my role model and example. A faithful minister, loved God, loved his word, loved the church. And he, he said, uh, he was asked the question, what's the most difficult thing about being a Christian? And just think about that. How would you answer that question? And what Eugene Peterson said, the most difficult part of being a Christian is the church. The most difficult part is learning how we all get along and how we all fit together. And how that thing, that idea, that concept for us, the church, he says that's the most difficult thing because of so many, uh, so many reason, reasons. When I look at pastoral burnout and I hear the guys' complaints about what it is that has hurt them or what the reason why they are phasing out of ministry are reasons where they are just so frustrated with the church that they can't reconcile relationships with it. They can't, uh, they can't really um, reconcile the difference in their expectations and what, what's coming together. They have been beaten up. They've been ridiculed. They've had terrible things said about them. They've been slandered. And it's all from this thing that God has set apart to be his church. And so Eugene Peterson, he says, the most difficult aspect of being a Christian is belonging to a local church family. We get a sense that it's difficult because we can have this thing that in the business we call it sheep shuffling. We get sheep from one church going to another church and we get all of the... And once you find yourself shuffling uh, and not really belonging... You know, we can have relationships with folks and they go to different churches and, and it just sort of happens because church is hard. We measure a church by its programs. We measure it by its music. Uh, you measure it by the preacher and his effectiveness at communicating and helping and encouraging you, caring for you. We measure the church by so many of these different standards and we look at it and we join right along 
we join right along with the crowd and we see its ineffectiveness. We see its immorality. We see these things that we are having a hard time seeing its own relevance and realities, like we're more polite and like he's from New York and he treats you like it. Um, uh, despite that, I still love him very much because he, he gave me something that I was missing in my development as a Christian. He gave me a love for the church. He gave me a, a picture of what the church can be and ought to be. And I think that sometimes all of those things that we hear, all of the things that get amplified, the immorality, the ineffectiveness, the things that sort of disrupt our love for the church, we lose vision of what the church is called to be. And so that tension, that sort of where we see all of the things that are broken, there is also a picture of what the church is called to. Have you ever tried putting together a puzzle without the picture? And I think sometimes as we sort of try and form all of our lives together, we forget the picture that we're trying to make together. That each of us are different puzzle pieces in a greater, more beautiful picture that is called the church. And we lose sight of what God is forming together to make one of the most beautiful things on planet Earth when it works. And even when it doesn't work, even when there's those brokenness, even when there's those things that happen, that the grace and mercy and forgiveness that happens that brings those pieces together still, it makes something beautiful. And so I want to read a, a passage to you. It's going to be long. I encourage you to follow along in your Bibles. We're in Ephesians, and I want you to picture the church. There is a sort of fascinating beginning, and I just want to use this as a quick illustration. In verse 3, uh, in verse three, there is the occurrence of the same word three times. It's in different forms. Sometimes it will say praise, and sometimes it will say bless. But the word is eulogia, or eulogetas, which that doesn't mean anything to you, but eulogy does, right? And a eulogy, we think of, well, a eulogy is at a funeral. Well, what do we do at a funeral? Do we stand up in front of everyone and then we list off all the things we don't like about them? That would actually be a fun funeral, right? <laughs> it's like, here's the list of all of the wrongs, right? What Paul does is he gives a eulogy of the church. And the word eulogy means to give praise. So when we give a eulogy at someone's death, at their funeral, we are remembering, we are honoring their legacy. We are honoring who they are and their very best qualities. We know Paul's letters. Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians. And man, if you want to feel better about Etna Green Church of Christ, you just look at the Corinthian church and you'll be like, man, we are doing great. Right? And so... Paul has spent so much time addressing all of these different issues. I think Ephesians is just this letter of praise about what the church is and why it matters. And he gives the most beautiful picture of God's blessing and what we are called to be. And so he uses the word eulogia three times in verse 3. And he's saying, this is a blessing. This is how we're going to talk about the church. And it has me convicted and has me thinking about this. 
is the way I talk about the church. Would someone say it's a curse or a blessing? Do I say the good things about the church and what they've done and who it is and what it's about? Or do words of condemnation and criticism? If you were to analyze what you've said about the, this church or other churches, would it be called a eulogy, a blessing and praise? Or would it be a negative Yelp, Google, Facebook review? What would people say about what has come from your lips about the church? Let's look at Paul's blessing of the church. He's going to read quite a bit and just follow along. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, the, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise. That's the first eulogia. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed, eulogia, us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, eulogia, in Christ. So praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And he's saying the blessings of heaven are now resting on, on the church. And he says of us, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan on him who works out everything in, in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with the holy or with a seal the promised holy spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those of those who are god's possession to the praise of his glory for this reason ever since i heard about your faith in the lord jesus and your love for all god's people i have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age but also in the one to come. 
And God placed all things under his feet, and he appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We get a picture of the church, and it begins with the blessings. It begins with Paul saying, we are spiritually blessed through Christ. And he says then to each of us, he says to each and every one of us that there is something special about this thing called the church. You know, for all of its, uh, its failures and all of its brokenness, for all of the things that we could point at that maybe aren't exactly right, Paul gives us the picture of the things that are exactly precise and wonderful. And he says to you, he says to you, Naomi, that you are an adopted child of God, that you belong to the family of God, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. And then he says to you, Al, he says that I have had plans for you to belong to this family, to point people to heaven. He said to you, John, I'm not sure what, actually. Now, he marked you with the seal of the Spirit, and he says, this child is mine. He looks at each and every one of us and he pours out the spiritual blessings of heaven when Christ comes and he says to each and every one of us, you are my family. He says to us that even though you were sinners, you are now saved through his grace. He marks you with the seal and he says, you belong to me. I will empower you. I will strengthen you. I will comfort you. You are my witnesses. And so we look at the church and we can say all the things that are wrong with it and we can be as critical as we ever want to be and we can never belong then. Or we can start seeing ourselves as a picture of heaven. As a picture of what God is doing here on earth. Despite our failures, this is the best option. And here's why. Because God ordained it. Because it's God's purposes. And man, oh man, I question them sometimes. I think it would be a lot easier to do the Jesus thing all on my own. Forget you all. And I know you feel the same way at times. But Jesus, he lays down his life to adopt us, redeem us, and bring us a part of a family. He marks us with a seal. He draws us from the world and he forms a community that we would be witnesses. We would be outposts of heaven. In the world of death, in the country of death, we are ambassadors of Christ and we call people to life. And so in our lives together, this is our, my encouragement. See this picture that Paul paints and realize that you are a part of it. You are blessed, you are loved, you are cared for, you belong. And it's not from anything we've done other than this amazing, incredible power. I love Paul's words here as he, uh, as he says uh, in verse 19. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. There's like a 20 words there, not, not that many. But like Paul is over-exaggerating, not that you can over-exaggerate God's power, but he uses all the words at his disposal to say this incredible work of God 
to do all of this, for those who believe that power is the same mighty strength. He like doubles down on the strength and power. And then he says that he exerted. So God's incomparable great power is greater power than we could ever imagine. That this power is what he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. When he defeats death, when he defeats sin, when he defeats brokenness, when God redeems the world and seated Christ at the right hand in the heavenly realms. And we learn that this power that was at work in Christ's resurrection is the same spirit and the same power that's at work in us. And so it has me thinking, what if we started giving praise to the church for what it is? Because um, I, we actually had an impromptu uh, lesson, English lesson in Sunday school uh, this morning. We talked about optimism and pessimism. Uh, and we know a pessimist is the negative and the optimist is the positive. What if we were to share Paul's optimism about the church? What if we shared in that? Realizing how blessed we are to lift praise about the church. So what I want you to do, practical application, is go to facebook.com and give us a five star. Right? That's the point of today's sermon. And maybe also express the thankfulness and the gratitude that Paul shares. Thank you, God, that I'm not, I'm not alone. Thank you, God, that you've surrounded me with a community of people who care for me. Thank you, God, for the opportunities to show grace. Thank you for opportunities to offer forgiveness. Thank you for the opportunities to share generously and to give to those who are in need. Thank you, God, for Jesus rescuing and saving not just me and this individual world, but all of us. We can truly belong. Let's express gratitude to God and give thanksgiving to Him for the praises that He and the blessings that He's given us through Christ. Let's be grateful for the church, thanking God that He didn't leave us to death, He didn't leave us to brokenness. It can be easy. It's really easy to be the pessimist about the church and bring up all the things of all of the brokenness, of all the things, of all the hypocrisy, of all of the ineffectiveness, of all of those things where the church has fallen short, where Aetna Green Church of Christ has fallen short, where leaders haven't led, where pastors haven't pastored, where things have fallen short and where of our expectations, where things haven't quite measured up. We can have a whole list of those things. But I like what Paul says. That despite our brokenness, despite our sin, despite our hypocrisy, despite all of those things, the power of God to redeem us from sins is what unites us and draws us together. So I want to encourage the church today 
you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing from Jesus Christ. And those blessings, they lift us up. When, uh, just in a real world situation, um, when a kid is really emotional, things are going on, and they sort of lash out. Have you ever experienced this? You know that the behavior is the fruit of the emotion. And so emotional health helps there to be good fruit in their life, and emotional unhealth leads to the bad fruit. We get that. I think Paul is looking at the church and he's wanting to point out that we can be spiritually healthy in Christ, that we might have spiritually healthy fruit coming out. And so I think that as we embrace and we open our hearts to this blessing, I want you to know just how loved you are. That's what Paul's saying. I want you to know just how loved you are, just how much you belong, just how much you're cared for, just how much power, just how much sacrifice, just how much love has been poured out for you. And man, when I think about the blessings of Christ that have come to us through him, and where I fit into all of that, where I fit in with you, then I know I belong. I belong to God. I belong to his church. I belong to Jesus Christ. I love how he closes. God placed all things under Jesus' feet. He appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And he is joining us together be a temple in which he lives and dwells by his spirit. He has formed us, he has filled us, and he's sending us out to be a blessing in this world. Speak well of the church. Speak well of one another. Draw near to Christ. Give a good review on Facebook. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We love you. And we thank you for loving us and drawing near to us. God, there's so much to say about the church. And Lord, we can have a spirit of criticism. We can have a spirit of angst or anger or bitterness. And Lord, oftentimes completely justifiable. But Lord, help us to see today your spirit and your grace and your mercy and your truth and your love for the church. God, whether we like it or not, or if we think we have better plans than you, God, humble us today. And help us to know today that we can belong. We can belong and we can have a family and we can have your spirit, we can have your grace today because of your son bringing us together as a family. Thank you that we're not alone. Thank you that there is forgiveness and family and reconciliation and meals together and encouragement together and life together. God, that we don't have to be alone.
And let us see today the blessings of the church. Let us see today the goodness of what you've called us to. God, put the picture of the church and how you desire it to be and all of its blessings and all of its wonder and amazement and all of the glorious things of our purpose, of your will, of your love, of your sacrifice. Let it be evident before us. Let us see it so that we would start reflecting that image in our life together. Lord, this transformative work is in your hands. And so we thank you that you are at work, that you are forgiving, that you have sent your spirit, that you bring conviction, you draw us near to you through repentance. And so today, Lord, thank you for blessing the church. Thank you for giving us every spiritual blessing in heaven. May we draw near to you. Thank you for drawing near to us. And we love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand in response, please?